To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch buck? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, I got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, I have on Jim Kinsey and Jana Waller. Um, you may know them from Skullbound TV on the Outdoor Channel. Uh, they just do a, a great job with their TV show of, uh, of telling the entire story. And, and um, it, capturing those hunts is not easy. And, and they just do a great job of it. Um, and, they, and they're just good, genuine people. Um, I was going to start off the, the podcast. We usually do a warm up five or 10 minutes and then I get the podcast started, but, uh, we just started and, and, and we're having such a great conversation that I just thought we'll start the podcast from there. So there's no introduction. Um, we just get talking on the podcast, but yeah, uh, just, just really good people and skilled hunters. Um, I'm just amazed at, at some of the, the harvest they made. It seems like they're always out hunting something. They're fellow Montanans, uh, which is really cool. Um, and just good people. I really enjoyed the conversation. I think you guys will too. Sponsor for today's show is Onyx Maps. Um, Onyx, uh, they're a sponsor of, of Eastman's Elevated, but I've been using their apps for years. Um, it's absolutely changed the way I've hunt. And they, they came out, when they first came out, they had chips for the GPS. And they still make those, and they'll give you a private and public and topography. Well, now they have an app on your phone, and I can just absolutely see that absolutely see that screen on my phone way better than I could see that screen on the GPS. It's it's full color. You can look at satellite imagery. You can look at topography, you know, along with private and public overlays. And so, you know, I, I use it for telling where I'm at, but I, I also use it as a scouting tool. Um, you know, I, I'll scout with it or I, I'll even hunt with it and find locations on that Onyx Maps and be able to walk there and look at it. So it's just an amazing tool. I think I open up Onyx Maps every single day of the year. I am always looking at something. So right now it's bear season and I can I can look and transpose elevation, figure out where I'm going to be and where I'm going to bear hunt on current information. Um, plus I'm starting to draw some tags and starting to plan on some hunts. And so I'm, I'm researching those at night, but it's just a, just an amazing tool. They're amazing company. And it's, you know, it's, it's really nice on your phone. It's also really nice on the computer, on the computer. You just get this big screen to look at. And so when I scout from home a lot, I'll do it on my computer or laptop, but, uh, again, just an um, amazing company, amazing app. It, it has changed the way I hunt and scout. So Onyx maps, Thanks to those guys for their support on the podcast. And um, with that, let's see. Eastman's there. Um, yeah, recorded that podcast with Scott. And um, just keeping in touch with those guys. I'm going to get together with uh, Guy and Ike, I believe, here in um, the middle of June. So I hope to uh, record a podcast with those guys. And uh, we're going to do a little tour and visit a couple places. So that ought to be cool. And uh, yeah, we're just rolling on, just trying to make this podcast as good as we can make it, uh, constantly working and, and brainstorming on, on new guests and um, 
just uh, quality content that I can put out to you guys that I, I know will be helpful, you know, in your, your public lands journey, you know, something that's that's pertinent to, to the information right now or pertinent to what all us backcountry hunters are doing right now. So, um, yeah, just uh, working on that. Um, and with that, gosh, let's get this thing rolling. So Jim Kinsey, Jana Waller, um, just great people, really fun conversation. Eastman's Elevated, here we go. Or is this good this is perfect yeah no okay, great, great volume great audio no this will be a perfect recording so really nice to meet you guys yeah, yeah great you to too. meet you too thanks for having us on yeah um congratulations on all your success it's uh skullbound tv on the sportsman's channel right yeah yes, sir. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good. thank you very much you guys Appreciate are um boy you guys have done quite a few seasons on there haven't you yeah, we just finished. Well, it's not finished. We're in the middle of season seven right now. So for the past seven years, we've been on Sportsman's Channel. Oh, wow. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, you guys Thank are you. really putting out a great show. I appreciate oh, that. That means, that means a lot. Thank All the you. hard work that goes into it, it means a lot when we you know, we hear that back. Oh, it's um, it's it's so tough to tell the story, especially when you're in 22 minutes and commercial <laughs> breaks. And um, yeah. it seems like it's just something that evolves or gets better as you go. Yeah, we think that too. Definitely, we watch our previous seasons and still, you know, fun. And but every single year, we change a little bit of this and that. Whether it's interviews, camera angles, I think that uh, we've just, like you said, evolved along the way, and are pretty proud of the, this last season. But definitely, it's an evolutionary process. And I think the technology also changes, so yeah. it just helps us tell a better story. I think also. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. It's uh, definitely an art form. I, you know, I, um, <laughs> so just a little background on me. So I live um, here in Ennis, Montana, and um, yeah. I started writing for Eastman's. Um, let's see. Well, I started way back. It started going on these adventure hunts, and then I started writing about them and getting published. And then um, I got yeah, noticed so. by Eastman's, and they hired me to be a staff writer. And so I've been staff writing for probably the last eight or ten years for them. And then nice. um, little by little, they've just given me uh, more opportunity. We've done some filming here the last couple of years. So that's where I uh, really have some insight into what you guys are doing and can really appreciate the product you're putting out there because uh, it has been so difficult to learn for me. But um, that and then we've had this podcast going. I started it up about a year ago and Eastman's partnered with me and um, – it's, wow, it's been a, a really great platform, just having authentic conversations with different hunters out there. I've I've really enjoyed it and um, seemed like our, our timing was about right. It seems like there's yeah. a, a new podcast coming out about every day now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's We've definitely seen an explosion of them, and it's just a great format to, you know, gather information to hear from like-minded people and uh, definitely podcasts are the way to go and uh, you got on board at a good time but you're right there's new ones creeping up daily and I think you know to that point you know timing is everything with you and hooking up with Eastman's and working with them and the podcast and you know Jan and I kind of you know going starting Skullbound TV right after I left another production company uh, you know Jana you know being a solo female hosted show there wasn't a lot of those you know eight years ago there I don't think there was any and you were probably um I was one of the first on the network, if not the first. Um, There may be others I'm not really even thinking of right now. And, of course, now you've got others like awesome Melissa Bachman. She's she's one I highly respect at Winchester's Deadly Passion. But it is timing. So when we 
came up with the concept of Skullbound TV, there weren't a lot of solo female-hosted shows out there. So timing's everything in life. Yeah. <laughs> It is. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you were one of the first female hosts. Um, boy, uh, yeah, that's just great. Uh, and you guys had that idea or concept to start Skullbound. What was your background before that? It's funny, Jim and I both, if you go way back, I've been I've been hunting my whole life. I was so lucky to have a dad who, you know, back in the 70s, mind you, uh, noticed my love of nature. And he would let me tag along on his pheasant hunts and duck hunts. I grew up in Wisconsin. He really didn't get into whitetail hunting until I was in high school, but I would sit in the trees with him. Then I bought my very first bow when I was in a freshman in college. And I think this year marks my 26th or 7th year bow hunting. And um just been... You know, of course, like most people, having hunting as a hobby, um, I started about uh, maybe 12 years ago doing some freelance writing and writing for women's, uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, winter, winter. I was going to say Women's Outdoor News, who I write for right now a little bit, but um, uh, womenhunters.com. Mm-hmm. It's just to connect with other women, but that was about my extent of it, you know, 10, 12 years ago. I actually worked for 15, 16 years in outside sales. I worked in the financial industry for Edward Jones for 10 years. I worked in radio sales. So definitely don't even come from a professional hunting background until I started writing some articles, got published in Bowhunter Magazine and some others as well. And then I met Jim, and Jim was at the time – uh, co-producing or DPing a couple of different shows on Outdoor Channel and Sportsman's Channel. And that's when we got to talking that there really aren't any or many solo female hosted shows out there. And uh, I'd been a pretty experienced bow hunter by that time and loved to bow hunt, bird hunt, you name it. And so, and I'd also kind of had my skull business going on the side where I paint and bead skulls that had sort of just at that time taken off. Actually, when I met Jim, I actually did a pilot TV show for Animal Planet of all networks about my skull business, and that never came to fruition, but it made Jim and I both think, wow, if if they found your skull business interesting and we tie in you hunting, and let's see if we can make this work, and that's how Skullbound got created. Oh, so. what a what a great vision, and it, it's just yeah. a, amazing how you can have this idea and then um, you know start putting a putting a plan together and start moving forward. But really, it's just dedication and working hard at it and passion, and uh, yeah. to make it go seven seasons and and uh, make a living at it. That's just great, you guys. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you. you. We feel pretty lucky. You know, a lot. It's funny how everything in in our past has led us to this. You know, um, both being outdoor writers. Jim's an outdoor writer as well. He did. He was a Marine. He worked construction, worked for the post office for 10, 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about getting motivated to get out of there. Motivated <laughs> but tell people how you trained yourself. Yeah. So like, you know, a lot of people don't know that like my passion is, you know, video production and telling stories with, you know, a camera okay. in hand and cinematography, all that. And, you know, back in the day, my father had a just a little hobby video production company, but we were, you know, I kind of helped him pack around a, a top loading VH, you know, VHS deck with a coax cable, and I would film all these like um, boxing matches and church functions and Civil War reenactments. And I was like, at 13 years old, I was out, you know, gunning around and you know, like the Battle of Gettysburg and filming all this stuff. And 
I was watching my dad tell these mini stories and I was like, man, I'd like to be like that someday. And so flash forward, you know, you know, I've been doing this 20 years now and, uh, feel but super you're trained when he worked. Yeah. In, I, he doesn't like to brag about himself, but I'm so impressed at the fact of for 10 years while he worked at the post office, Jim trained himself, not only on the camera side, but all of the editing side and the director of photography side of things. And then when he got hired with Magnum Global Media out here in the Bitterroot, they were, they picked him up. They saw some documentaries that he had done. Then he learned the whole network TV side of things mm-hmm. because, you know, there's a lot to learn there. People, you don't just film a, an episode and you got to know how to deliver it to the network. You not have to know how to do music cue sheets. You've got to know so many intricacies that the network the, needs. The business side. Yeah, really, the business really side tough. of it's huge. And Jim taught himself all of that. And uh, when I met him, he, I was lucky enough that he already knew all that. So when we came up with this concept of Skullbound TV, it was a perfect merger of, um, you know, being a woman in this industry. Uh, I have a degree in public relations and marketing, which really helped us to sort of market our ideas to companies to say, hey, you know, we need to brand hunting in a more positive light. We need to show the we need to get the women involved and and show that women are very capable and passionate, just as passionate as men. And so collectively that we developed Skullbound TV and then that along with our timing where the network said, hey, we, we really we really yeah. like this concept. You know, Skullbound TV was born eight years ago. Yeah, you know, another thing, I was like, I might be dating myself, but Wonder Twin <laughs> Powers Activate, form of a skull artist and a camera operator. Yeah. Boom, and then <laughs> here comes Skullbound. And most people don't know we're a two-man band. <laughs> yeah, we, we are. Like, actually, we've had some help on the editing side of things. This year, Heath Helgert, who lives here in the Bitterroot Valley, helped mm-hmm. us edit a few shows. And we've and had Grady Rowles, Grady a fantastic... Rowles. Um, camera operator, editor, help us two years ago. But other than that, we're pretty much a two-man band. We do all of our own filming, production, travel, social marketing. Media. All of our own social media is done Everything. by us. Yep. Um, sales is done by us. So we're pretty much still the, you know. If you email us, you're getting us. Yeah, <laughs> we're the two-man band. Still. <laughs> but it, But it's a good business model in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd say, um, yeah, you have total control over your product and what you're putting out and, and uh, right. what you're filming and where you're going and, and you're just in charge of all of it. And and two, I think it's right. important to be connected to your audience. Like you say, exactly. running your social media, you know, people can reach you and ask you questions. And especially in today's day and age, you know, uh, right. uh, uh, people want to reach out and want to get you, not somebody that's um, typing for you, you know. So, oh, yeah, that that's, is that's so, so great, cool. you guys. Um, um, and, and those those people that you mentioned, the Grady Rawls, and it it's nice to have help along the way. But again, it just points to that that passion. Jim teaching himself how to do the editing and the filming, and um, yeah. you, you just um, there, there's no better teacher than experience. Whether you're hunting or filming or whatever you're doing, it's almost like just immerse yourself in it and you learn from there. Absolutely, right. it's right. like the school of hard knocks. You know, you'll make it through. You just, you'll always have fall down, but get yourself right back up and just keep trucking on. I really think a key to success too, no matter what industry you are in, or even not industry in life in general, is the people that you surround yourself with. And we are so lucky to have not just sponsors. I mean, of course, on the sponsor side of thing, we've been really lucky. We work with almost all of the exact same companies that we've worked with since the very beginning, but our friends, our family, you know, the people that we choose 
to hang around are all very positive people, like very, minded. very like-minded, very motivating, very inspiring. And I think a key to success, both in and out of the office, um, is to surround yourself with positive people. And we've been really fortunate enough to do that. That's such a great point. It's something that's often overlooked or something that I don't think about very much, but it's surrounding yourself with good people. And whether it's the hunting industry or whether it's, uh, you know, like you say, your family, your friends or, or your hunting partners, surrounding yourself with good people, um, good things come from that. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. You know, people who have your just sense of right and wrong, sense of morality, sense of helping others, like helping up, for example, I could call up any one of my sponsors and, you know, we do a lot of hunts with veterans, a lot of combat veterans. I can call up my sponsors and say, hey, I really want to take, let's, for example, this last, this season airing right now, we really want to take Dom Davila. He's a single amputee, Marine, great guy. He needs a rifle. And Nasler is the first one to step up and say, what kind of rifle does he want? How does he want it built? Uh, we call up Vortex. They deck a scope on it for it. Like we have... Call Cryptech, they're hand camouflage. Right, right. It's and just I'm, one I'm, after another. It they sounds producty. I'm not trying to. I'm just saying we've we've been so blessed to work with and be friends with not only inspiring people but people that believe in our cause and believe in our show and sort of believe in the mission of why we do TV or why we are in the hunting industry. And uh, they're just so positive too. They don't. This can be such. I see it on social media. I, it can be such a negative. There's a lot of negative parts of this industry, of hunting in general. People, I think their egos get involved, jealousy gets involved. Um, how did that person get that sponsor? And, you know, a lot of weird negative emotions can come to play if you go that route. But you notice we, we're never negative on social media. We're, we try to stay positive all the time, even when, you know, a sponsor comes to us maybe and says, hey, this year my budget was cut. We usually re we stay in touch and keep that relationship. And, mm -hmm. you know, hey, if it comes back around where you get another bigger budget, we're here for you. That all ties together, I think, so much and uh, has really helped us uh, stay successful. Yeah, um, yeah, being loyal to your sponsors and um, just just like you said, um, your sponsors stepping up with anything that you guys do. I mean, I see you guys donating a ton too. So um, yeah. yeah, you guys are have just surrounded yourself with like minded people. And you're right that that negativity, you know, not only in hunting industry but in life is, is yeah. just poison. It's um, you yeah. can get caught up like the comparison is the thief of happiness, and you start you're comparing yeah. yourself to other people and whether they have this sponsor whether you know i see it in hunting too with with uh, uh big public land critters you know they shot this yeah. bull or this buck but you've almost got to change your mindset when you change your mindset you're a happier person like don't get Absolutely. caught in that trap of, of being yeah. jealous or why did they get that and i didn't i've been working so hard you you know for yeah. me I, i'm just happy for guys and i figure they're working hard at it and and i focus on my own journey and my own path and doing right by my family and friends but i try to yeah. never let yeah. that jealousy creep in I try to always yeah. be happy for my buddies, always try yeah. to lend a helping hand and, and and be happy where I'm at just to have my foot in the door. The hunting industry is like a dream right. for me. So, yeah, um, yeah uh, you're um, the whole I, the whole concept of it's really funny to us still like the whole concept of celebrity hunting people is just we like I laugh every time I say it because we are exactly like every hunter out there listening to this podcast like 
yes, we have had incredible opportunities and doors open for us and we're on TV, but we're outside of the hunting hook industry. Nobody knows who you are. No, I mean, like, <laughs> that's like me. Yeah, yeah, no, like, I'm sorry, but I love Jim Shockey, right? I think he, he great guy, love his show, such positive. I love he and Eva. And, but uh-huh. if he walks down the street in New York City, 99.9% of people are not going to know who he is, right? So, like, you know, it's, it's all, everything's relative. And yeah. I just think you're so right in being happy for one another and supportive in, in one another. We really need that now today. We yeah. do need it. Hunters don't understand what is going on behind the scenes that people are trying to take away. They, they know about gun control, right? That's such a huge topic right now, clearly. But, but I'm talking about hunting rights down to, Oh, like what weapons you can carry, how long your season is. Is your dog um, allowed to retrieve your, a bird? Yeah, yeah, there are people. Get We work with the Sportsman's Alliance who have really opened up our eyes to the ridiculous court cases that are instated every single year to try to take itty-bitty little steps closer to banning hunting. Like a couple of years ago, they actually had a bill in place, I can't remember where it started out, to ban all dogs from hunting, not bear hunting, mountain lion hunting that there's a lot of, you know, discussion against, not predator hunting, all kinds like duck hunting, pheasant hunting, you know, uh, clearly that bill got dropped, but there's, there, there has to be people, defenders fighting. Yeah. Those fighting for our rights in the courts. And uh, that's why we are so gracious in giving back to our conservation groups, because really behind the scenes, they, a lot of them work together, like the national wild Turkey Federation, the Mule Deer Foundation, they work hand in hand with the Sportsman's Alliance. They're all helping one another. And so we're happy to be able to donate skulls and hunts and help raise money to help the groups that are simply there helping us hunters. Yeah, uh, we have to stick up for what we believe in. And you guys do such a great job at it. But we all have to have to have to do our part. And and, um, you guys do a really good job of representing hunting in a positive light, you know, whether it's on your social media or whether it's on the sportsman's channel. But that's so important, too. And there's some people that we're never going to convince. But but there's. There's a lot of people that are in the middle where if they just get educated or see it in the right light and, and realize that we're providing meat for our family and it's a, a lifestyle and that we have respect for these animals, you know, that, that those are the people that are going to decide when they go to vote, you know, for, yeah. for hunting or against it. And so, yeah, we, we've got to keep representing hunting in a positive light. And, and all of us need to do everything we can do to, to protect our heritage, the thing that we love so much. Mm-hmm. I say that all the time. It's a big thing that I mention in all podcasts and interviews and that that is hopefully mo- obviously most of the listeners of a podcast are just the average hunter, right? Who loves to get out there or maybe wants to, you know, either hear about our show or learn something new or whatever. That's why they listen to hunting podcasts. Everybody needs to remember that they're branding so- hunting in their social media, whether you're, a, you know, 15 year old young girl on Instagram or you've got a TV show, you know, we are all branding hunting to those, what I call them as the 80 percenters, you know, on average, they say, at least in the last consensus report from the U.S., about 10 percent, and it might be a little bit lower right now, but 10 percent of us claim to be hunters. There's another 10 percent that are vehemently against hunting. So there's 20% of the population. We need to reach that 80%, those non-hunters. There's, they're not for hunting or against hunting. They've maybe never been introduced to it or all they know about 
hunting is through mainstream media, which needs a lot of work. We all we all know. And those are the people that we really need to try to reach. And we every time we talk about hunting, every time we put up a picture about Mm -hmm. hunting, we are branding hunting to those eyeballs that may not have ever been exposed to it. So we need to keep those photos respectful. We need to keep them clean. We need to talk about hunting in a reverent way. You know, we want, yeah. a few years ago, we went hunting with Patrick Kilpatrick. He's oh, yeah. a Hollywoodite actor who's very pro hunting, very pro gun. And he was giving us some insight into Hollywood and, and the global way they think. Hollywood. He calls it global Hollywood. And that is everything that comes out of Hollywood, whether it be music, fashion, movies, you name it kind of gets spread across the world. And he said, Global Hollywood does a great job of making hunters look like tobacco chewing, you know, dirty, rusty, pickup driving, shooting out of the truck kind of people. And and unfortunately, we need to change that in any way that we can. And um, I think slowly over time, it is becoming a little bit more acceptable in mainstream. Um, there's the organic movement has helped that, of course. You know, movies like um, 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 Hunger Games, believe it or not, has actually done wonders for women in archery. You know, things like that that we sometimes don't think of on a global basis. But it's important to get back to my point is that we all remember that we need to represent hunting to those non-hunters so that they understand that it's really about a beautiful lifestyle that's very reverent of our herds and habitats. Yeah, and I think it follows suit with our slogan for our show, it's all about living. Really, that, that's what we want. That's actually why that's we, what we want to promote. It's yep. all about living, our lifestyle and uh, you know, organic living. And that's why that's we it. came out with that slogan a couple years ago is it, our slogan used to be skullbound bound, bound to make a difference. Right, bound yeah. to make a difference because of all the donating that we do to the conservation groups and such. And it is still of course very important to us, but we kept saying over and over in podcasts and radio interviews and on social media, it's about living. People think hunting is all about killing, and it's not. It's about living. And so that's why a couple of years ago we started that slogan. That's why we wear – that's kind of our swag line. Um, but it's true. It's all about living. Oh, I love it. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, the perfect slogan for the for the show and for both of you guys and what you represent. Um, and, and it is it's a it's a lifestyle, and and uh, we get to explore some of the wildest places in the forty eight and in the world, and you just have this amazing opportunity to to explore these these mountains and and deserts and 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 different public land that we have access to and private land. But um, it, it's right. just um. It is such a fun lifestyle. It's such a great way of living, and there's such great people that are that are amongst us, you know. So I, I'm with you. It's all about living. I really like it. Thank you. Yeah, we're you're right. We are surrounded by such reverent. Um, it, it just instantly when you said that, it reminded me of Doc Hillary. Um, Hillary Lampers and her Ryan have a different podcast that uh, they were just in our house a couple of weeks ago. We did a podcast for them, Hunt Harvest Health Podcast, and they are just such great people. But she comes from a totally different perspective than her husband, who is this Ryan is just a badass backcountry hunter, DIY kind of the guy goes into the mountains for the ten days by himself kind of guy. Just 
Those big stuff. Yeah, yeah I've had him on the podcast. You know, one of those. Yeah, I've had uh, Ryan on the podcast oh, a couple yeah. times, and then uh, yeah, I know Doc Hillary. I think they're yeah. moving close. To, I think they're going to make. Well, I I so, shouldn't announce um, that on the podcast, but uh, yeah, they're great people. They are, and he's so humble. And but she comes from a place where she comes from a family that's kind of anti-hunting, and you know, never really understood it. And slowly over the years, Ryan would try to talk to her about what hunting is. But it's really exciting to have her who's incredibly brilliant. You know, she's a a naturopathic type of doctor who, to me, we love talking about health and what we eat and our bodies and how that relates to hunting the mountains and everything. But I love her perspective of coming into hunting going, what is this all about? You know, and and she said it the best sitting on my couch a couple of weeks ago that the more people I know who are passionate hunters, I realize that they're such wonderful, reverent people who care so much about the environment. Like it isn't what a lot of the antis think that we're out like target practicing in animals. They don't understand the connection to the planet and our food that we have. And, you know, it's fun talking to somebody who's come from that perspective and has changed her mind and is now out promoting the positive aspects of the hunting lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Such a unique perspective as being almost anti hunter hunting when she uh, met Ryan or when she started. Um, yeah, Yeah. they're, they're just absolutely great people, but it's fun to talk to her about it, how it's changed over the years. And, and just what you said, like, uh, meeting such great people and, and, uh, you know, having Ryan that's been able to introduce her into it, you know, it it has been, uh, a giant, but yeah, um, it's, uh, those are the people that we need to reach. Right. Totally. Right. Mm -hmm. And what a wonderful voice she is because she can understand the, perspective of someone who's you know anti who's against it who thinks it's about she can understand that because she kind of used to think the way they still think and then to be able to talk to them and say well have you ever considered this perspective or what about all the healthy organic benefits of the food and you know what about you know the exercise and the fresh air and the nature component and her being a doctor of health is so into the whole balance of your body. And all of us hunters already know that we are the most balanced when we're out in nature. You know, we already understand what hunting is all about and what it does for our souls, you know, to be, but, but, but to have a doctor kind of say, no, 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 it's, it's so good for these 10 reasons alone, the stress levels, you're eating, you know, organic meat, you're clearing your mind, you're getting away from technology, you know, all these things. She's just such a winner in my book. Yeah, she's got such great insight into it. And uh, uh, she's right. She's got the scientific evidence that that uh, proves what we've all thought all away, all along, that we that we truly belong when we're on one of those hunts or when we're in the mountains, you know, and, and uh, she can put the evidence that backs that. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um like you say it's it's those uh, interesting conversations with those types of people um you know where you you really learn a lot about um what you've always thought or what's in your gut or your gut feeling about things you know and so it it's nice when she can tell you yeah you like a, a being in nature um it, you feel this connection with it you know and this is why or um you know yeah. Or, uh yeah. she she just does such a great job articulating it. Yeah, yeah. These are the brain endorphins that are – her and I had a really cool discussion one time about 
there's kind of two different things that the brain does during a hunting scenario. And I've never heard it put like this. And she's not even a hunter herself. But she was talking to me one time about when you are lined up on that animal, whether you're looking down the scope of your rifle or you're drawing back your bow or there are kind of two different responses that the brain actually has. And one of the responses causes nerves and shaking and anxiety and excitement. And the other one is a different style of a brain pattern that can calm itself get collected, know it has to take that shot, you know, and I've talked after that conversation, I've talked to a lot of hunters about it. And it's funny, it's like 50-50. Some, some hunters will say, oh, I'm the kind that gets so jacked up. And that is me. I am, I get so excited. It takes me a lot to really get zoned back in, to try to not freak out, to just, you know, really focus. And this is, like I say, I'm in my 30th year of, of, you know, all kinds of hunting, bird hunting, you name it, not big game hunting of all kinds. And I, yet there are a lot of, I was talking to my girlfriend, Amy Hanneman, who's a bow hunter, and she's the opposite. She said she just zones in, like she really gets focused and calm. And that adrenaline doesn't kick in till after the shot for her. So again, talking to Hillary, not even being a hunter, but her being a doctor and talking about chemicals that happen in your brain and endorphins and adrenaline. And it's just cool. It's just it's just cool to be able to have these kind of discussions and, you know, with people who uh, are passionate about it like we are. Yeah, it's so interesting. If if hunters could tap into that and even just think about it a little bit more, I think they'd have um, some better success. But that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, that there's two different ways to handle that or, or two different types of people. Um, yeah. You know, that, that excitement or that thrill or that adrenaline rush is like nothing I, I've ever gotten. You know, it's when you're, when you're that close to a game animal and then you put – on top of that, how hard you've worked for that opportunity. I mean, it it could be days, it could be weeks, it could be years you've worked for that opportunity. That, right. It's all just a handful of seconds that you get to make the right moves. And, and right. it seems, you know, I... I had lost my mind. Like, I don't even remember aiming my pin at the first deer I shot at, and I missed it by a mile. Like, it it takes experience of messing up and going, okay, next time For i got to sure. make sure I anchor, I look through my peep, I settle my pin, you know, I squeeze my shot, I execute. Um, but but it takes learning from those mistakes to kind of tap in that to, to get that calm, you know. And now, yeah. a, after so much experience with a bow and arrow and being in bow range and understanding it a little bit more, like, I can get that that hyper focus that you want and kind of right. try not to let that adrenaline get a hold of me but you know there again too then you'll get after some trophy animal and all of a sudden you'll it'll be back like you're a 15 year old kid trying to shoot at a deer with a bow but uh that's kind of the fun of it is trying to conquer that right yeah i remember you know it took me seven years to kill my very first elk it was a bull it was with my bow and you know i hunted him really hard i was new to montana i moved here in 85 and I remember. Plus, it was a trad bow. Yeah. Well, no, that was the Oneida Eagle. So oh, it was. Oh. A, but I mean, I, I had hunted with a Certainly couple of other bows. Certainly wasn't the technology but, we yeah, have today. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much primitive at this point. <laughs> yeah. Experience, and I remember that that bull. You know, I was solo hunting. I call him in. I'm by myself, and here he comes. Well, you know, when you're by yourself, a lot of times they like to come like straight into you and they face you. He comes right in and he's facing me, and I'm I'm sitting there looking at him, and then finally. We had a stare down, but I just didn't move, and I was kind of up against a tree, and I probably went for like four minutes. And then finally, he turned and walked this little opening, and like you said, you don't even remember. I remember drawing, 
and picking a spot. This is like no sights, you know, but I'd practice, you know, shooting like that. And I double lunged him. He didn't go very far. And that was my first elk. But, um, I mean, it, that adrenaline rush that you get and trying to stay focused and keep it all together. I mean, I live for that. You know, And anyone, you know, I want to point out, too, that anyone listening who might be a new hunter, if you haven't made mistakes, then you haven't been hunting very long. You know, I remember when I bought that bow my freshman year in college, I sat in the trees without, with not even taking my bow the first year because I was so ambivalent of what ifs. What if I wound a deer? What if I don't hit him right? What if, what if I make a mistake? What if all these things? And it, you know, I not, it wasn't until the following year that I purchased a license and took my bow out. And it's funny because, you know, everybody, you can't, you can do your best. We all need to do our best to learn our weaponry. What I don't care if you're long distance rifle shooting or you're shooting a trad bow. You know, we need to learn that weapon and practice as much as we possibly can. We need to learn the animal that we're pursuing. I don't care if you're hunting bear. I don't care if it's grizzly, black bear. I don't care if you're hunting antelope, whatever. You need to learn that animal. But that being said, we're human and adrenaline and things can happen and wind changes and mistakes can be made but it's learning from those mistakes that make us a better hunter every single year and to be able to you know not be too hard on yourself either i know a lot of hunters are really hard on themselves when they make a mistake and it happens to the best of us i know trust me i all of us call each other when oh my gosh you would not believe this bull i missed this year or oh this i went in wrong on approach or whatever it is you know, we got to remember that we're, we're human, human. Yeah. make mistakes. But uh, every year, like if you can be positive and learn from those mistakes, it just gets better and better. Yeah, that's absolutely the right attitude to have that, um, you know, the failure is a prerequisite in, in bow hunting yeah. and in hunting. You are going to make mistakes, but the, the key is, like you say, learning from it and getting better, paying attention to where you messed up and, and trying to improve from that and, and not being too critical. And it, um, you know, you try to make the, the right decisions and, and, and then let, you let the cards fall where they, where they do. But, um, yeah, failure is definitely a prerequisite. And I, you know, I've had a lot of success with my bow and i'm still failing a lot you know it, it's just yeah. it's um the the animals have such great instincts and they're so keen and you're trying to sneak within a stone's throw of them um they're gonna win a lot of the times you know and yeah. and um yeah. so so yeah. it is and i think that's what we all enjoy about hunting so much is just that it it, it is such a learning process and that you you, you never stop learning if you're paying attention in the woods you're you're always learning and you're always getting better Right. I don't know of I would I don't know of any other event in life that can bring about the plethora of emotions that a big hunt can. Not big any kind of hunt, but I'm talking in a, you know the kind you work hard for, you train hard for, you you prepare hard for. But like when I got my bowl this year, it's an episode, probably one of my favorite single episodes. If I had to name a favorite, I really can't. We took so many awesome veterans hunting this year. It's just too hard to name a favorite. But my favorite single hunt where I was on was my archery bull this year. And then if you watch the recovery of this bull, I ball like a baby. I mean, they're calling me the Cryptek Crybaby, which I'll take gladly. I'm proud of that title. But I don't know any other event in life that has the plethora of emotions that a successful hunt does. You're thrilled beyond belief. Your adrenaline is soaring. You're ecstatic. You're, there's a little bit of remorse for that beautiful animal. At least there is with me and every hunter I personally know. I mean, we all love animals. There's 
you know, you, we are reverent. We're thankful for that life that we just took. So there's that emotional part of it. There's a lot of time there's fatigue. A lot of times there's disappointment. The hunt is over. Like, so where else in life can you get pure joy, sadness, you know, exhilaration? Yeah, yeah. Pride or hum, humble, humble and pride all in the same day. You know, yeah. like hunting brings about every single human emotion and i just and i don't know any other event in life that can do that yeah, yeah uh, it's so intense isn't it and it'll yeah. it'll take you to your highest highs but you know the it'll also take you to your lowest lows when you do fail yep. or make a mistake or a bad decision and um it, it it's all part of it but you're right i don't know anything like it and it's hard to to even describe it or do it justice to the, like you say, the, the prideful feelings of accomplishments. It, it's like, um, it, it's lasting fun. It's, it's something that you work hard at that you think about all year that you train for. And then you get this, this 10 day test or this five day test. And, and maybe you go on a handful of hunts and, and to come out on top and to achieve your goals. And, and, uh, it, it, it is, it's such a, a prideful, uh, feeling that you get. It's, it's, um, it, it's one one of the neatest things I've found on on planet Earth, anything that I can do, uh, hunting yeah. just um, uh, gives feelings like you say that that nothing else can. And I like capturing that emotion. I mean, having a yeah. camera right there, capturing that moment, that moment that I've worked hard for as a camera operator and stuff to catch that moment, and then the emotions that come from, like Jana, for instance, on her her elk hunt. I was crying too because <laughs> it was a sense of accomplishment. Not only did she get her elk, but we, we, we captured it on, it on film and you know, we did it together and it was just it was one of those things I'll never forget. But part of why I why I love Jim as a cameraman um uh, is that he he gets all the emotions. You know, he's he was a solo hunter way before we got together on our show and he knows how to bring that out in me and he knows he knows how to capture that well and tell that story in a reverent way where, you know, we're not, I mean, anyone who's watched Skullbone TV knows I'm not a trophy hunter. I mean, you know, I, I, not to say I'm not going to, you know, lie and say that I don't love a big animal. Like, let's say I love a big bull. I love it when I can shoot a big buck and I love it when my bear is huge. My, you know, I got a beautiful elk in Alaska. I'm not saying I don't Most. love it. No, did I say elk? Yeah. Moose, sorry. Yeah. I love it when, of course, it all turns out and it scores great. It's definitely not what it's about for our show. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've taken small animals. I've taken, you know, the does and, you know. So I just think it's important to stay authentic. And that's one of the reasons that I think we have found success in Skullbone is that Jim can capture that motion. But it's all authentic. We hardly ever do any recreates. You know, mostly mo our shots are mostly captured with all GoPros. The, it's on the fly, It's too. pretty on the fly, like, yeah. you know, and uh, I think it, it's a system that's worked well for us. Well, yeah, you guys are a partnership, and you've been doing it together for so long. Um, you know, I know when I'm hunting with a good buddy, you know, he pretty much knows what I'm going to do before I do it, and he knows how to, to follow along and, and to not uh, expose himself around me or to let the, the guy in the lead position make the decisions. But, yeah, I'm sure, like, you guys would be amazing to watch work because you guys have. You've worked together for so long that uh, Jim's so great at capturing 
it and and you guys have your your system down and work well together and and keep each other up it's got to be uh extremely uh, gratifying to to capture it on film like that and put that hunt together and then put it out there for for your audience to watch um yeah that's amazing we were just talking about how funny it would be to actually have a third person well like a cameraman along that we just ignore the whole time and to cap because you know obviously you see the show and you see the hunt and you're right it's hard to tell a great story from a seven day hunt in 22 minutes but trust me when i say both of us are alphas so it would be so funny if we had all those moments where i'm like let's go this way no we're going that way no 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 no. it's like i know there's elk over here no 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 no, 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 we're going over here and like there's, it's, yeah, we once we, in a while. <laughs> off camera, there are a lot of moments that are so funny that, you know, it, you know, a little even embarrassing at times when we're fighting over, because both of us are, you know, h- hardcore hunters. We have ways we want to do something. We want approaches we want to make or let yeah. the, the wind's going this way. No, no, we'd be better this way. You know, it would be funny if we Just had to see a fly that, on the wall. We don't captured. even know really what's going on in the background. It would be funny for someone to capture that and then say, hey, oh, yeah. let's, let's cut this into a show. And put it into an episode, you know. Not only that, someone just today said, unique. you guys, you know, been doing this a long time. Have you ever done a bloopers episode? Oh. And the the only downside is it's, we have enough bloopers to definitely put a show together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the really good ones are often not caught on camera because you're walking or you're crossing a creek and, you know, whatever. Like, you fall it would water. be fun. That's why I think it would be so fun to have, like, a drone who could have captured all of our bloopers and arguments and oh, frustrations, be, be and, you know, <laughs> it would be so authentic. It, it, like you say, it would probably fit right in. You'd probably be able to edit a lot of it in probably more than you think you could use, but yeah, it would be yeah. those authentic conversations and you're right. You're so passionate and you feel like you, you, you're trying to be successful and find the right way to go about things. And sometimes you butt heads and it is, it's like having that conversation on the mountain, even with a hunting buddy and going, no, we can't do yeah. that because the wind's going this way. If we circle around and you just have this, this, this dialogue or this conversation about what the right way to do things is. And that's where, you know, again, you can't let your ego uh, uh, get control and you can't like argue so hard for your point that you're, you know, uh, uh, avoiding or you're yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you yeah. know, you've also got to listen to your partner and work together, but um, yeah, that well, would be great. Authentic footage for you guys. Wouldn't it? I've yeah. got to give you a big cred here to Jana last year. We're in the middle of her elk hunt. And we're glassing around, and she spots this ginormous black bear, and it was crazy. Mind so, you, I don't have a black bear tag yeah, anymore. Yeah. I got one in the in the, in the spring. Yeah, in the spring, but Jim does. Yeah, so she's like, "Hey, I'll give up my elk hunt. I'll watch the bear." Now I have my bow with me, but below there, to the left of this black bear, are two great big grizzlies digging balsa roots. And he goes, "I'm going to go after it with my bow." I'm like, "Uh, no, you're not." Yeah, like, she's like, I'm, "No, you're not." I'm like, "Yes, not. I am." I'm watching I glasses that Blair and you know how most guys are whoever glasses that it, it's theirs right that's kind of how we play it sometimes yeah and I I glasses bear and there was a second I was like I'm not even gonna tell him I see it because I'm on my elk hunt but of course like that was only a little split second of selfishness yeah. so I said Jim I've got this monster look at this and monster it, black bear over there giant. and at that time we were like a hundred thousand yards away but yeah. we could still tell he was big, big. Yeah. but then I'm like oh and I probably said an expletive and he goes what and i go look for about 400 yards down the canyon sure enough at the bottom of the canyon were two grizzly bears and i'm like oh great we're gonna have to maneuver around them 
Like with my bow, I was going to go out for. She goes, no, you're uh, not. No, you're not. No, you're not. So I like, made him run back three to miles camp. back to camp. I have to run all the way to camp down this mountain. To get his rifle. Get my orange. Get my rifle. Run all the way back up while I leave her there watching the two grizzlies and the black bear. Yeah. So I finally, it took me a long time. With I just get, my bow. Well, yeah, I did have a sidearm. Yeah, she had a sidearm. I get back up there and I'm freaking out. I'm like, is he, is he still there? Is he still there? He goes, calm down. He's still there. He didn't go He didn't go yards. anywhere. He's, He's just eating berries. berries. I'm like, all right, sweet. So long story short. Well, the funny thing is the day before that, yeah. we had a little bit of a tit for tat because Jim was carrying the camera. His bow, because what if we got into a herd of elk, right? Yeah. Uh, we both have elk, elk tags, and he's got a bear tag. So he's carrying his bow and the rifle in case he sees a bear and, and the camera. And I'm like, dude, you are getting too tired out. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> we need to leave the rifle behind. Sure enough, the next day is when we saw that bear. So, uh, oh, I was wrong for telling him come, to leave the rifle. It'll come out next year, but thank you. Know, yeah, we're going to show God. that part. We saw the elk hunt we aired this year, but we didn't show that bear part, which will be on next season. And then Jana did a great job filming it. So a lot of people, she always says, oh, I can, you know. People don't think that she can film, but don't let that girl lie. That girl can film. Well, now. no, no. If I catch her, if capture I capture stuff. it, it's just a bonus. Like, she she I captured it awesomely, anything. so she did a great job on that. Well, a lot of people don't know I'm a techie idiot. Like, idiot. Like, I am seriously an 88-year-old lady trapped in a 40-some-year-old's body. I don't, I don't like technology. I don't like to operate cameras. I thankfully learned how to use, you know, I use Instagram Facebook and Twitter, and that is it. No, like, no, she filmed this bear but I in 4K. I do Come film a lot for Jim, but he knows that if I don't <laughs> capture it well, that he can't yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and that's an art form too. And the pressure is on the cameraman almost right. as much as the shooter a lot of times. Absolutely. You know, because I, you've got to get that kill site. And I know, you know, with my cameraman. <laughs> You know, there isn't a lot of checking when you're in bow range of a giant mule deer. You know, I just got to, you know, for me, I just got to know that he's got it and he's doing his yep. job. And then, you yep. know, I give him ample time to make sure he gets the shot. But there's no whispering or checking with him or we might blow that whole scenario up. So there's a lot of trust there, but just as much pressure on the cameraman as there is the shooter a lot of times. Oh, I'm, I'm more nervous behind the camera than I am, you know, and even though, like, like we said before, you know, really it's a solo female hosted show, but we're, all, we're also doing 80% of our hunts are DIY. And so we do it ourselves. If Jim has a tag, I might as well film it and put it on the show, right? We're there. The only thing that's changing is I'm throwing a camera in my hand. And nowadays we use a lot of the nice little compact 4k cameras. And so might as well film it, see what I can get. And it's, it's worked out nine out of ten times. Yeah, she does really good. And uh, but I definitely am not a cinematographer in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's a, a vision for all those shots and all those um, edits. Or to you, you really learn a lot about filming when you edit, which you guys have done a bunch yeah. of. But um, when you go back and edit all your footage, you go, "Gosh, I sure should have got more of this or more of that." You know, you that's kind of oh, that yeah. evolving process of learning every year. But it takes a a really good artistic eye to know what shots you need and then to not take too many shots that you're not going to use too. You know, you could, you could film all day long and there, there, you don't end up using, do you? That's That's one of the things I do. I overshoot. One of our big problems that we think every year we're going to fix and we never do. We have hours every (laughs) time. Way more than you'd ever need. And I think it you know, it works out really good. So like with Heath Helgert, one of the guys that did five episodes for us this year, he's a Golden Moose Award winner too. Big shout out to Heath. Anyway, uh, he ended up uh, 
you know, he gets all the footage, he looks at it, and I'm like, hey, do we, you got enough? Oh, yeah, I got way more. Than like, I need. way I'm more, like, oh, like it takes good. him double the work. <laughs> yeah, he has to look through it all, but he's always got those extra cutaways, so it just it just works out good, I guess. It works out good, but not good. I mean, you know, hard drive time space, though. it's time-consuming. run it's out of hard drive space, But at the same time, how do you know? So we always air, and because it's us, it's not like other shows that have a different business model that have hired a cameraman and he's going in there with a shot list and he, you, you're paying him a day rate and Mm -hmm. no, we'll, we'll bring the cameras along and film everything, everything from like, for example, we went to Saskatchewan this last winter and we hunted with the Cree nation on the Suhol reservation. And we filmed everything from a a woman, um, the mom of the guide we hunted with, who makes beaded jewelry and I showed her my beaded skulls. So we filmed that whole conversation. We filmed a great conversation with his father, who's a chief. He was chief chief of the tribe, chief of the tribe for decades and just about their hunting heritage and their family and passing along traditions. And so we had an hour right there. Snippets of that only make the show though. Right, right. Just flashes of it make the show, but we always turn that camera on if we can to kind of show, you know, the the unique things that other people might not capture, but it does end up for Jim or whoever is editing it to go through eight hours of footage to make a 22-minute show. Yeah, Time-consuming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it. I definitely don't want to buy your guys' hard drives. Uh, yeah, it sounds, no, no. sounds like those fill up pretty quick. Um, but, yeah, I, I like your approach to it. So you always have more than enough. And you never know when a hunt's going to come together. Sometimes it comes together on the first or second day. And yeah. that authentic footage is key. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm i like you. I'm not a good actor. The recreate, like, I, and I enjoy, like, I can appreciate watching a show when it it is all authentic footage, and so that's what I like to capture as well. And and uh, you 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 you'd rather side on on caution and have more than enough than not enough. That's a that's right. a huge problem. So yeah, I like your guys' school of thought. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Yep. What's and uh, that uh, getting Jim, um, like you say, to film all those snippets that that uh, like with the chief, and that's priceless footage that then you can oh, yeah. you can edit in there, and and that's just part of uh, Jim being along, or you guys being a partnership where you guys yeah. are always together, so he can capture everything the entire hunt. Like you say, you're not you're not paying a day rate, or you're not waiting for your cameraman to show up. He's there all the time. Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, and there's short, short, interesting stories that help tell the story. You know, there it's it's all about character building and that character arc and telling a you know a good story along the way that that people want to tune in and watch. It's a little bit different than you know that's what we try to be. It's just a little bit different, I think. And when we're done with Skullbound, we've got uh, about three thousand hours of footage to go through to chop up for YouTube. <laughs> Ten thousand hours. <laughs> gotcha. So, so do you guys release other stuff to YouTube then? Um, we do a little bit. Not we're really not active on YouTube, I have to say, just because we are a two man band and we just don't have the time. I mean, man, we should hire an intern to go through all of our stuff and chop out funny things and tidbits. We've put a lot of little behind the scenes clips up on our YouTube channel, but there are full hunts are either all on the network or they're on my outdoor TV, um, MOTV.com. That's where all of our previous episodes can be found. But our snippets and behind the scenes and funny stuff, some of that's on YouTube. 
Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, like you say, there's, um, for driven people, there just isn't enough time in the day to do everything, isn't there? You got to prioritize and kind of, you know, make sure that you're getting in your episodes to the network and, uh, keeping Skullbound going. It's, it's tough yeah, to find yeah. the time to go through hours of footage to, to post on YouTube as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, well, um, Jim and Jana, it's been really fun to meet you. So I got to be honest, a lot of times I do like a 10 minute warm up on the podcast, but I just really enjoyed your story of how Skullbound started and we started getting into to Jim and the, the post office and, and self-training. So I just thought we'd go for the podcast. So I'll do a little intro and put it on the beginning, but I've really enjoyed okay. meeting you guys and, and uh, your your insight and perspective on hunting. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been That's... great talking with you, too. We really appreciate you taking the time and thinking of us. Yeah, thanks for thinking of us. Yeah, congratulations on the Season 7. That's what you said you're working on now? Well, Season 7 is in the can. It just halfway aired. So how we run it, 13, yeah, yeah, we do 13 episodes a year. And so those 13 just concluded this week. For and now one. those 13 will re-air for another 13 weeks. Yeah, then we run quarter one, quarter two. Yep. Oh, okay. And, uh, Jana, you said your favorite elk hunt or favorite episode of all time is on the season seven? Well, or one my, of them? Favorite, my favorite episode of season seven where I am the hunter is by far my archery elk kill, uh, my Montana archery elk hunt. But if, but we do have so many special veteran hunts that it's so like Dom, the amputee who got his first bull. I took my very first female veteran combat but she was a combat medic for 20 years i took my first female veteran on a hunt this year antelope hunt in wyoming that was so special so like it's so i can't choose favorite i really (laughs) it sounds like like a lot of great episodes you guys give back so much to the to the military and and um it's just so great what you do and and representing hunting in a positive light so i've really enjoyed getting to meet you guys thanks a bunch for being on the podcast thanks so much for having us thank you all right, that's a wrap. Um, Jim Kinsey, Jana Waller. Um, yeah, just really fun to talk to those two. It's um, it's so fun to to get to, you know, not only meet them but have a an in depth conversation for an hour with some of the the different people in the outdoor industry, and um, they just seem like really genuine good people. Uh, I I really enjoyed it, and um, like I say, quality hunters too. Uh, they're just killers. They get some some good quality critters across the West, whether it's deer, deer, elk, bear, and uh, I've seen Jana with some bow kills. I'm sure Jim has some too. And that's just that's not easy to do. Those those bow kills do not come easy. And then trying to execute your shot under an intense amount of pressure, like it, it gets nothing but respect from me. I just think that's the ultimate, you know. And when you see that, so um, really cool. Really enjoyed getting to meet those people. So, um, sponsor for today's show is Onyx Maps. Again, Onyx is just an awesome app. Um, they just absolutely changed the way I scout and hunt. You can get a subscription now on your phone, and you can get all 50 states for $99. Um, you can also choose your state and pay by state if you're just hunting one or two states. Um, but it, it's just absolutely awesome to be able to see public and private and wilderness and roads. And they're just um, – Onyx is evolving their their company as they're constantly coming up with new overlays. Now there's a an Eastman's overlay that that will show you, you know, all our inf- information from the MRS. Um, and, and you put that overlay on there. They have one for Boone and Crockett where you can put on the Boone and Crockett overlay and see where all the big ones came from. And it, it's just an absolutely awesome scouting tool. I think I open that app every single day of the year. I'm I'm always looking at something. So um, thanks to those guys for building such an awesome app. 
and, and uh, taking part in the podcast. Um, it's just amazing to, to have their support. So um, thanks to those guys. Whew. And with that, um, boy, I'm just working away here. Um, gosh, a bear season has been getting really good. I've been trying to get out just as much as I can. Um, I had a really close call on a big jet black the other day with my buddy Dan. Spotted him, made a play, perfect execution, wind coming down the draw. And just by the time I got to where that bear was, the the wind was still coming down the draw, but the bear had moved below me. And I still had decent wind. I had him in bow range for like 30 seconds. And I could just see the top of his back, like over the sagebrush. It was really tall sagebrush. And he was kind of just over the hill from me. And he walked out at one point, And I was almost getting ready to draw where I could tuck one. I could just see like his shoulder and his neck. One more step, I would have had him. And gosh, I saw his nose go up in the air. And I saw him... I saw him win me and bolt. Gosh, I mean, I if I could have planned it better, I mean, it, it's hard, you know, you, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And so, like, I, you know, thinking about it, it was like, man, maybe I should have gone and got to another feature, relocated him, and came in lower. You know, I would have had the wind right. And, you know, you can second guess it all day, but I was really quiet moving in. The bear had no idea I was there. Just caught a little bit of my wind, even though I had a good consistent wind you know just enough of it swirled around and smell seven times what a bloodhound can so you know it, it doesn't take much for a bear to pick you up especially when you're at 50 yards of them but oh it was close i had arrow knocked had a good range on them um really thrilling and it was just a go for it too it was i mean so far away from my truck it was um ridiculous and then got back to the bikes after making a play on them it was dark and um started riding out of there and ride all the way up to the top it got it's like 10 30 11 o'clock at night and i get some mud on my tire that rubs on my chain that then uh wedges my chain off the sprocket and it wedges itself in between the sprocket and in between the wheel and i fought that thing for an hour just caked in mud top of the mountain no tools by the way um that is one change i make and if i have a bike i'm at least gonna have like a crescent wrench and gonna have a you know flathead screwdriver a couple tools where i can do something but i don't have any tools i'm taking off stabilizers off my bow to try to pull and wedge things and Finally, after an hour just caked in mud, I was able to get it because my my back tire was locked up. I couldn't even coast out, but I finally got it. We got out of there, but um, yeah, those those bow hunting stocks are just so cool where you get this this close encounter, thrilling close encounter. It's like um, that's that's why I bear hunt. You know, it's um, I'll go ten days and not see anything, but that one day I get a stock and I get a chance with my bow in close range dangerous game and try to try to make it all happen man that's why i do it so that was really fun and um i'm getting down to it like i said yesterday was my last day but man i mean it's like almost five o'clock here just finishing up my podcast stuff yeah i may have to get out for one more walk and then leaving for hawaii on friday um so pump just trying to leave myself enough time where if i do harvest one i can get it all checked in and butchered but um, I might have time today. I might get out and, and go do one. Um, missing a run here and there, just been focused on bear season, but, uh, get back to it where I really focus on training. It's just when it's bear season, it's just like, if I got any free time, I just want to be out walking in the woods trying to get it done. So I've still been getting at least one a week or I'd like to say two a week, but pretty much one a week 
in really good hikes and bike rides. So keeping myself in good shape. But um, yeah, as that comes to a close here, we'll start to focus in on conditioning, getting ready for some of these fall hunts. So I'm pumped. Um, fly out to Hawaii on Friday. Just can't wait to see my good buddies out there and hang out with them. And then just can't wait to do some some bow hunting over the Pacific for axis deer and, and goats and pig. We're going to go for mouflon sheep. So just amazing. Absolutely better than I deserve. So um, can't wait. Going to go on my on this trip with my family and wife. My wife just, um, you know, she's she's pretty happy to be there. So she says, oh, I don't care how much you hunt. It's like, um, well, be careful what you say, but that's great. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Um, but no, she's so supportive and, and uh, she knows how much I enjoy it out there. So, um, yeah, we're just going to have fun with the kids and the wife and um, hanging out with good friends and then fit some bow hunting in too. So um, better than I deserve. Uh, okay, this this ending's gone on way too long. Just wanted to give you guys a little insight into what was going on with me. Um, I'm going to get another podcast ready to go and ready to release while I'm gone. It, it's a, an, another great recording I'm really proud of and um, really proud of this one. This was really fun talking to uh, Jim and Jana, and, and uh, they do such a great job with that TV show. Um, that is just not easy to do as I've got a chance to kind of try it out here and there. Um, it, it just... Um, you, you want you do these awesome hunts and you really want to share the story and portray it but you know the truth is is it takes time to figure out what shots you know you need to to be able to to build that you know emotion into that film or to tell that story and then and then you have to get comfortable talking in front of that camera and I don't know why it matters but you do feel like you're talking to everybody you feel like you're talking to the world or it's all recorded and it's it's tough or at least it is for me to to relax and just be myself so that's what I've been working on but um all right I better end this thing have a really good week you guys I'll check in with you next week